Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Dash Podcast. I've got another phenomenal guest here with me on Set Up for Success, Arthenius Jackson, the owner and director of One Touch Transformation, whose mission is to educate the community about sexual abuse and to empower and encourage all sexual abuse victims and survivors. So how did how did you start One Touch? That's a that's a huge mission. All right, so One Touch Transformation was birthed from my personal story. I was a victim of childhood sexual abuse, and when I finally decided to start my healing journey, and after I've gone, after I went through counseling and therapy, I knew that there was something more that I wanted and something more that I wanted to do. Mm. So after starting, you know, my healing journey, and after going through counseling and therapy, after getting the support that I needed and the help that I needed. I started to think about what I could do to turn this negative situation into something positive. Mm. And when I felt like that I'd reached, you know, that peak of receiving help, that's when I, you know, was like, I need more. I need more. Right. So I thought about what I could do. And of course, that's where One Touch Transformation came into play. And, you know, I've been going with this journey since then, back in 2014. Okay. What, and what does is, what is One Touch do? How did, you, how did you reach your mission and your people? Because I've seen you the whole month of April, um, Sexual Abuse Awareness Month, you've been everywhere, and it's you, you've made you've made talking about this topic so fun. Um, and, and not that it's a fun topic right. to have, but like even when we were talking um, yesterday, I was like, man, how do I even ask questions about sexual abuse? Because I I'm, I have no idea about it myself. So how do you how do you get people to feel comfortable um, having these conversations? Okay. Well, since I am comfortable having the conversation, mm. it makes it a little easier for the next person to talk about it. I, you know, I let them know, look, I'm okay. I can talk about it. Whatever you need to know, you can ask me questions. And with me going through my mission as far as getting out to the community, I do all that I can to raise awareness for whether it's churches, whether it's with other nations. And, you know, when I approach the topic, you know, I'm just myself. I'm real, I'm mm-hmm. open, and I know a lot of people probably look at me like, how in the world she's smiling and talking about this dark issue, yeah. but I've learned to just accept that it happened, mm. and I also learned how to not let it determine who I am or even determine what my future is going to be, right. and like I said, I'm looking for a way to make this negative and this dark issue um, into something positive, bringing it into light. And, you know, I can't do it being, you know, broken and being sad about mm. it. So with me going through my healing journey, you know, it gave me some strength. It gave me some courage. And that's what allowed me to talk about it so comfortably. And wow. I'm even at the point I can talk about it with kids. So, mm. <laughs> so it feels yeah. it, it easy to me. Yeah. Is there, have you been surprised that anybody um, or like, whether it be a group or individual that have connected um, to your story or to the mission that you're given? Surprise, not really, but encouraged and motivated more so. Right. Because I've read about other survivors who have gone out and, you know, made these great speeches and shared their story. And at the end, they would have people come up to them and, and let them know, like, 
hey, this happened to me too. I've never told anyone that. Right. So when it happened to me, I was like, okay, so that really does happen. And it <laughs> keeps me going. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it encourages me and it motivates me. Mm. Like, you know, there are so many other people that still need to hear my story yeah. so that they can gain the courage to do the same thing. Yeah, that's deep. And, could, and you said, the first thing you said was when I finally started to take the journey. Why did you say finally like that? Because my past has been suppressed for so long. Mm. 20 years. Wow. And yes, that's how long. So I was like, yeah, finally. From the time you were abused to the time that you started your journey? No, um, I was abused at the age of six. Okay. And the abuse went on up until my teenage years. Wow. And so after that, you know, like I said, I suppressed it so far in the back of my mind. I just thought I forgot about it, but mm. never have been triggered. You know, even while I was in school, in college, like it never clicked in my head. Wow. And so I had it that suppressed in the back of my mind. But it, there were other events that led to me making that decision to finally take that mm. healing journey. Mm. What were some of those, some of those events or some of those kind of check places? And, and I say that because I feel like you know, whatever your story is, you've got you've got some pieces um, like that in your life. You know, in, in mine was I was a secret child for um, a long time. And so everything that that I did um, growing up was to prove that that I was worth it. Like, hey, you know, I shouldn't have been a secret, you know, apologize to me. Tell me, you know, I'm worth it or something like that. But it wasn't until um, I had like three conversations with my dad and, and was talking to him about it. And I. I it didn't really go how I wanted it to go, um, but I realized like, hey, this was a decision that was made over 20 years ago, um, and it's not one that was about me. You know that 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 has nothing to do with me, and I've got to let that go to move forward. So I, I see the different checkpoints or the relation. Um, I don't. I wasn't abused um, as a child, but I can I can feel the. You got to connect those dots going backwards sometimes to get to where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You have to go to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the effects of sexual abuse, which a lot of people are not aware of, and this is one thing that I do talk about whenever I go out to the community, but the effects of sexual abuse, they can include promiscuity, which is what um, I had to deal with, wanting that attention, doing mm-hmm. whatever it takes. <laughs> um, promiscuity, self-esteem issues, not having that confidence, not being able to accept who you are, trying to figure out who you are. Uh, and as I'm, I'm naming these things, um, these are the things that I dealt with. So the promiscuity, not knowing who you are and not having that confidence, that low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, mm. uh, just acting out. And, you know, we see a lot of these these traits and kids today, and a lot of people don't know where everything is stemming from. And like you said, like, there are some things where we can look at the root of, figure right. out where's this disconnection coming from. Mm. And so it's sexual abuse. There are a lot of long-term effects that people just don't realize. So even though that happened at such a young age, I didn't feel the effects of it until I got older. Right. And so even though it was suppressed in the back of my mind, the effects, they still, it still happened to me. So like I was always promiscuous. I wouldn't say I was out there, but I felt it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, started masturbation extremely early, um, and with starting that, like I, I didn't at such a young age, I don't, right. I don't know what I'm doing, but because <laughs> it's it's funny now, 
Right. But when uh, hearing about a child, that's big. Like, okay. But I was doing it because I was always searching for that feeling at mm. a very age. And by the time I got old enough to understand it, then it was like, okay, I'm trying to find that feeling. Could never get that initial feeling. And so mm. one guy to another guy just trying to get that feeling. And was vulnerable all the time, especially when it came to men. And it caused me to be taken advantage of by other men, not knowing that, right. you know, it was abuse because, you know, I still felt like I was wrong for being in the situation. But mm. these were men that I would, you know, tell them what happened to me as a child, people in leadership positions to be exact. And mm. instead of them helping me, they ended up hurting me. Wow. And, you know, I ended up um, turning to pornography. Um. <laughs> I mean, this is this is, uh, and for me, I I want to understand myself. You know, I I'm, I'm aware of of situations like Michigan State and people that have been in my family that have also been abused, whether it be domestically gotcha. or sexually. And and I don't, it doesn't, I don't, I don't understand. Um, gotcha. And, and I, I want to understand, you know, what 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 ha- what's happening, you know, what. Okay. And even you said, um, you said you're searching for that feeling. What what feeling? Um, can you describe well, that? Okay. So experiencing sex experiencing sex at a young age, you know, six years old, not knowing exactly what that feeling is, but after you know, I got older, the feeling of an orgasm. Mm. And you're constantly searching for that same feeling, even though I didn't know what it was, which right. is why it makes me masturbating early. And uh led to masturbation pornography so i mean it's a lot to think about um it is it is it's a lot it was a lot it was a lot and it would be impossible to cover everything right but those are just a few things so um promiscuity the suicidal thoughts um just being so vulnerable and open to you know men not being able to accept who i am and not loving I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and at, at the age of at the age of six, I, I heard I don't remember where I heard this story yet, but it was talking about a, a a young girl who was about the same age who every day after school she was excited because she got to have ice cream, um, and and she got ice cream every day after school. But the part that she was missing, or the part that she didn't tell her teachers or her principals or whatever was, she got the ice cream after she was locked in the back room with a couple of men. And when she came out, she they gave her some ice cream. And that's what she associated with it. So even when you're talking about sexual abuse, at, at six years old, seven years old, 12 years old, you haven't even experienced anything to know what right or wrong is. So when it happens to you, um, and it happens to somebody that, that you trust, you don't know that anything is happening wrong. And, and there is no negative association with it because you've never had the experience before in the first place. That's and I was like, kids wow. are gonna trust the adults because, like, you know, what adults say and do, they're right, and we're supposed to, you know, abide by what the adults mm. say and do. And it's like you said, you see no wrong in it because you trust your life with this adult. And that's why most of the time, per- perpetrators are family members or friends of the family. Um, is hardly ever a stranger, right. but most of the time, it's someone that they know or someone that they once trusted. Mm. Is is that the same case for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how was how was that coming to grips with a family member being you know telling 
you know, I don't even, again, I don't know how to ask the question. You know, you're telling your family that another family member has done that to you, you know, and even when you do realize that it's something that shouldn't have happened, um, I, I could imagine, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell my story um, about being a secret child because I was afraid the way it was going to make my dad look. Um, even though it was a decision that was made 20 some years ago, I didn't want anybody, I didn't want anybody to think I was putting him down or anybody to feel like I was putting him in a bad light. And so I was scared to tell my story. Um, is that some of the struggles that you might've went through as well? Yeah. When I was younger, uh, I was afraid to speak up because I was like, okay, how's the family going to react? Is the family going to break up? Are they going to blame me? Are they going to believe me? So those were questions that went through my head all the time. But when I finally did speak up and told my family, you know, they didn't blame me. They embraced me. They believed me. And they've been supporting mm. me since day one. That's my immediate family now. Because yeah. uh, I sat down with both my parents and my brothers and their wives and, you know, let them know what happened. And, of course, you know, all of them was taking that in at one time. I was like, okay, it was silent for a while. But, you know. It wasn't long before they told me that they were going to support me and do whatever they need to do. Right. Now, as far as the rest of the family, I have not seen my uncle since I've came out with my story. Wow. And um, haven't really talked to the other side of the family about my story. Hmm. We still talk, but it's not the same. And that, I mean, I'm thinking that's the reason why. Yeah. We've never, you know, we've never discussed my story. Mm. But with my immediate family, is I've been good with them. They've yeah. been with me. Yeah. Would, you be, would you be open or would it be possible to have a relationship with the person that abused you? Like in your head personally? <laughs> mm, not right now. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Because um, I often say, I wonder what would happen if I came up to him, like, we're in the same room. Like, I, I still don't know how I would react. Yeah. Mm. And that's probably for a reason. Everything happens on time. So, it um, when it's it time does. to reach that place, it, if, 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 if there is the time for that um, yeah. place to happen or that conversation, it'll, it'll be um, right on time. Wow. Yeah, I think it's. Before I um, shared my story, I used to see him a lot. Mm. <laughs> I used to see him a lot. Yeah. But in the same capacity, right or had I it, went through that, huh? In the same capacity, or when did when, when did that things kind of stop? And you you still saw him after he wasn't abusing you? Yeah, I still saw him after he stopped abusing me. Mm -hmm. mm. And it was like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. When did but it I all? But I would always like I would never go close to him. Like I was still. I get in his face, I wouldn't let him in my space, but I always got that little eerie feeling every time I had to walk by him yeah. or anything. Did anybody have a sense of it? Did anybody have an idea of what nobody. was going on? How did it stay so quiet so long? How did nobody know? <laughs> um. Alright, so every victim is different. Every child is different. Some will show signs and some won't. In my case, I didn't show any signs. Hmm. At a young age, I was still able to excel in school. So my schoolwork, wow. um, I didn't decline academically. I still stay on top of my work. I I showed zero signs. I knew something was wrong, but I was able to mask it so well for so long, for 20 years. <laughs> but some kids, they may show signs. Um, kids who are often vibrant and then all of a sudden they are quiet, 
not excelling in school anymore, the grades are dropping, even if they start bed wedding. There are signs that can be shown through a child, mm-hmm. but like with me, I didn't show any signs, so my parents had no idea. My right. brothers had no idea. And we went, we went to church all the time, so of course they still, you know, blocking right. any of that that, pop, that could possibly happen, but it slipped through and it still happened. But mm. sometimes there are signs and sometimes they're not. Like it, it just depends on the individual. Would it be times when like your, your family was around or would it be just... It'd be you'd be isolated or you were alone with um see the way that it happened when we grew up we were in the country and so everybody stayed out there right. it was just family so it was just nothing to go next door and every time well it's okay <laughs> so well, it would be nothing to go next door and anytime that I would go next door you know because there were you know, our cousins were there I would go see my cousin and he would always figure out a way to isolate hmm. me from whether it was just sending the other kids out to go do something. He would easily wow. just do that every time I would go next door. But the way that he did get me, you know, that one particular night where he actually did molest me, um, everyone was asleep in, that night. And so it was in the middle of the night and he came in the bedroom, took me out of the bed because I was sleeping with my cousin wow. actually. But she was asleep. So he took me out of bed and took me in another room, and that's how he actually listened to me. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. How did you? How did you come to a place of peace without having that conversation with him? Or like, yeah. How did? How did you find your peace without really having an answer for why? Um, I had to focus more on me and healing versus worrying about how he feels, why he did it, Hmm. and if he'll ever be charged for it. So I had to focus on me and my healing journey and make sure that I was okay. And counseling and therapy and of course God, all three of those things, they helped me come to peace. And you know, every day I still pray for peace. Right. (laughs) And I do have peace, I can say that. And that's what makes me a true survivor because I haven't allowed this negative experience to, to stop me from mm. succeeding. Mm. Yeah. When, when did when would you say um, when would you say things blew up in your face? I know you said it kind of happened step by step. When was your like, wow, I, I have to change this. I've, I've got to get this out or tell this story. It was 2013. Mm. 2013. I was spending some time with my mentor and if it weren't for him asking me all of my uh, these questions about my childhood I would have never put two and two together because I had no idea that my behavior stemmed from being abused like I didn't want to believe it at first didn't want to accept it and you know he said look you gotta face it you gotta stop running you gotta deal with it even though I didn't want to yeah and it's like okay because I knew if I would have stayed on the road that I was on, I don't know where I would have been, honestly. Right. Because now when I hear about other women who end up, you know, on the streets or yeah. become strippers, and I think about myself where I could have been had I not turned my mm. life around and decided to mm. start my journey. Where, where did you start? 
How did where? you? Yeah, where did you start? By sharing my story with the family. Okay. Talking to them. That was the first step. Hmm. Admitting it, accepting it. Um, but yeah, but sharing the story. Yeah. That's the first step. Yeah. Hmm. How about like, so you, I see, you know, your video on your website has um, some young folks talking about their situation. Maybe they have not been abused yet. Maybe they, yeah, excuse me. Maybe they have never been abused um, and maybe they have, have been abused in their in their past. Um, what what do you, for somebody in that situation that's, that's youthful, um, how do you help them to, to either recognize that or make the connection um, and to speak up about it? Well, as far as dealing with kids, I like to, of course, do the prevention side of it. So making them aware of those five alerts that I often talk about, which is see alert, talk alert, touch alert, hold alert, and alone alert. So I teach these alerts so they're able to recognize these predators and I let them know, look, it can be family members, it can be friends of the family, and it's, sometimes it's people that you know who are these predators. And I use these tools so they'll know what to do just right. in case they are put in, in that, that situation. situation. That they're not. But that's what I do for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only had to deal with maybe one one-on-one as far as one who has been abused. And um, since, well, since she's a minor, not going into too many details, but right. um, just trying to be that support system for her and showing her, you know, what I'm doing and how I turned out. I felt like it gives her a little bit of hope, her and her mom. And I talk with the mom as well. Every now and then she'll message me. And and it makes me feel good when she says, okay, I see what you're doing. So I know that there's hope for my daughter. Right, right. But, it, yeah, my big thing is prevention with kids. Hmm. I want them to know before they're even put in right. that situation. How hoping that they're not. Yeah, that's good. What about for, like, your peers or your elders that... Um, are still suppressing their past or, or haven't made the connection from it um, or even just don't want to tell their story you know what yeah. about them how do you how do you help those folks well um still talk one-on-one because I let them know look it's okay if you don't want to share your story publicly everyone is not going to do it mm-hmm. but you need to talk about it if you don't do anything else talk about it because the more you hold on to it the more it's going to eat you up right. uh, I've learned that you know, over these years, you just, you have to talk about it. Right. And the more you keep quiet about it, the more you suppress it, it's going to keep bothering you. And and I think what happens as victims, they they ignore the effect. Mm. They ignore the effects, And that's what causes it to, I guess, to continue to grow and it manifests and it starts affecting you mentally, then it can start affecting right. you. Um, physically and, and spiritually and so if you never deal with it you're, everything is going to start being yeah. affected and then the way that you love your relationships, your family it mm. affects all of that so mm-hmm. if you never talk about it, if you never deal with it you're going to be dealing with that yeah. for the rest of your life I mean, yeah. there's no other way to put it Whew. What um what changed from the point when because you said you you realized um, some of the tendencies of, of promiscuity or, or pornography and masturbation came from abuse um, were there any other triggers that you realized were from your childhood? 
Those are, those are the, the main ones. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, uh, and of course, the one that I just named, um, relationship, it's hard, hard to maintain a relationship yeah. because then you're dealing with trust issues and because right. you, 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 I grew up with this barrier mm-hmm. and didn't want to trust anyone. So it was hard for me to really like open up yeah. and my communication. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. And it still isn't at its best. It, I've gotten better, <laughs> but communication was extremely hard for me Hmm. i was the type where i felt like whatever i said never mattered so i kept quiet all the time and i had that problem in all my relationships friendships boyfriends Hmm. and it's always been a problem so relationships they're hard but it's gotten so much better (laughs) yeah i'm so much better uh, as far as my relationship so yeah yeah, that that's, that's another thing that's affected yeah Good. So, so flipping that on the other side, I, I talk a lot about the pendulum of life, and you can only experience as much joy and happiness and satisfaction and gratitude as you experience pain and despair um, and hurt and, and dysfunction. So, what what kind of change? How has your pendulum swung from um, a place that was suppressed for for twenty years and in a secret of your whole life, and now that you've let that go? What? Tell me about the the what you received from this situation and even giving? Uh, let's see. What have I received? Even though it was a dark time in my life, um, well, I've had several dark moments. So with the pendulums going back and forth. Right. But, uh, but each time that I've had to visit a dark place, I could always count on, you know, seeing that that light at the end of the tunnel every time. Like I've never, I'm I'm thankful that I never had to remain in that dark place. Hmm. It's it's not as bad, and I can I know what I can handle now. Yeah. So that terrible and traumatic experience it prepared me hmm. to take on seems like almost anything now yeah. because I felt like I've already endured the the worst <laughs> I've already gotten through the abuse yeah. so it's like okay so nothing else is going to take me back to that place right. <laughs> whatever else is coming along I'm prepared for it yeah. so and I, and I understand that's with life we're going to still have those bad moments and those bad days and that's with anything whatever anyone's story is yeah. but like I said I, every, I think every dark place it prepares me for the next step or the mm. next level of life so yeah. it, and it builds me and it makes me stronger and so what I may not have been able to take, what I may not have been able to take two years ago, mm. I can take it now. Yeah. And, it, and it just continues to build me and continue to strengthen, strengthen me for each new level of success or whatever the case may be, whatever it is, right. I'm able to take it. Right. Wow. Do you, what, what kind of check marks? I always feel like there's, there's just different milestones <laughs> in life, you know, and, and they're kind of associated with my faith as well. I remember when I started getting on my knees to pray, I would pray every night, but I would do it as I was falling asleep. And when I started to get on my knees and pray, um, I just saw blessings start to open up in my life. And um, I'm engaged now, you know, being engaged to my fiance. It's just, there's a whole new, there's a new just kind of feeling um, in, in my spirit that just lets me know that I'm stepping up. And at the, at the same time, um, you know, there's things like city council and working with PD where you're at as well. There's different kind of check stone, check-ins that like, wow, Trey, you, you, you wanted to do this in your life and you've made it to this point. Um, yeah. and you're blessed because of, because of it. What, what things in your life have been kind of milestones that, that make you reflect on how far you've come? 
it's funny you ask me this because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> and, and, um, because my, my boyfriend, he gets at me about this too because he was like, you don't realize what you've been able to do. And I don't, and I don't know if it's because I, I don't really think about it. Right, but you're still working. Do, yeah, when I think about it, it's like, okay, that did happen. I did, I was able to do that one. But I don't know. It, and, I'm, and I try not to downplay myself. And, right. Um, because I know it's important to celebrate yourself too, but I don't know. I'm trying to get to that point where I can recognize mm. my mouse. So it's, sometimes it's hard for me to do that. Mm. But I will say one of my biggest steps was quitting my job at Francis Marion University. Okay. I quit in 2016 so that I could do my my organization full wow. time. I took that. That was a huge step. It was a scary step, and it's still scary. (laughs) But um, I did it. Um, Another thing that I was able to do was go back into the studio. I recorded a single called Mm. Butterfly. And (laughs) whenever we're riding in the car, sometimes we flip to the station, and it's on the radio playing. (laughs) My boyfriend, he'll look at me, he's like, (laughs) like, what? He was like, He's like, how many people can say their song is on the radio? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. But I do have a hard time like celebrating the milestones in my life. But when I, I should do, I should do better when it comes to that. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, um, that that was a you know you talk about that transition from working at Francis Marion University to yourself that's that's a transition I made last year as well and just knowing you know I put my resignation in at at the school I was working at before I had a contract anywhere else or any money coming in consistently it was just kind of that leap of faith um what what was what was some of the hard parts for you in that transition or or in making that decision yeah trying to figure out um where income was coming in because I still had a car payment, still have insurance and all of that adult things that we have to deal with now. (laughs) So of course I was a little little worried about income, but at the same time I was, I was speaking so boldly, like I'm not worried about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm worried about where the money comes from. You know how it goes quoting those scriptures, like God's going to supply all money. But at the same time, I'm still a little scared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, that was my biggest concern, worrying about you know, funding. And I was like, okay, because I, I'd already um, had an office space before I left Francis Mary. Okay. And I was riding around with office supplies in my trunk for about a year or so before I even found an office. Mm, wow. I, just knew, I knew, I was like, you know what, one day I'm going to have Dang. an office. I didn't know when it was coming, but I always had that feeling that I was going to have an office. And wow. so I did find an office before I left Francis Marion. Hmm. And, you know, that was one thing that kind of made me smile because I was like, you know what? I've been riding around right. with this stuff in my trunk for about a year. Like, I didn't have anywhere to put it. And so um, when I finally got the space, you know, I was like, okay, I hear you, God. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years later, I'm like, okay, I think I want to take this step. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't able to fulfill my purpose. Mm. No. Be working on the job, right. even though I had I had an easy job. <laughs> <laughs> I had an easy job. I had it. I had it made there. Like right. I was comfortable. Mm. That was the problem. Yeah, and and I knew within myself, like I have all I had already reached the you know the max of how much I could succeed in that position. Yeah, there was no climbing the ladder where I was. 
mm-hmm. I was there. That was it. And and the things that I had to do for others, like you know what, I did not go to school to do this. Right. <laughs> Which I know a lot of people probably feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> but the things that I had to do for other people, it really used to eat at me, and I got to the point where I was just just ready. To, I was ready to leave before yeah. I even made the decision because. There were so many people that was just getting underneath my skin, and I felt like I was just being used, mm. and especially for just little small things that I had to do. I mean, it didn't make it didn't make any sense some of the things I had to do just because people were too lazy yeah. or knew that I was in that position, so all they had to do was hey, hand it over to me. So I got to the point where you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm done. I've been I'm through too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to take that step. Mm, that's real. I do miss. I do miss the students, though. Yeah, the students. They were my priority. Well, but you, but you. So I mean, I see you. We both work at the same school. Uh, shout out to PD Math Science and Technology Academy in Bishopville, yes. South Carolina. That's that's that rural STEM school. Um, <laughs> you're, you're there all the time. You know what you're working on. You did a play earlier this year. What was that play? Well, that's what we're working on the plane okay. now. Um, but earlier, we did do a Black History program. Yeah, there you go. Black History Yeah, we program. did the Black History program. And right now, we're working on our um, version of the um, Sound of Music. So we're preparing for that. We're having a lot of fun. Yeah. I just, I love interacting with kids. I love working with them. They're in my heart. They yeah. I, I, it's like I want to protect them as much as I can. And it's like whatever I have to do. To protect them, I would do it. Right. And I, and of course, and I love music and art. So just being able to connect music and art and with mm. education, and actually see how it's yeah. helping those kids, I love it. Oh yeah. It's that, so yeah. There's a lot of different ways to to shine light into somebody. You know, this um, mm-hmm. they they say somebody said uh, one time, people are gonna come to you for one reason, but what they're gonna receive in return is God. Um, and, and you 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 get from people what you put out the same whatever energy you're giving the folks is what they give back to you. Mm-hmm. you know, your your energy is always through the roof, um, and, and, and makes people feel so comfortable. So I thank, thank you for being uh, who you are, Miss Jackson. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I got one more question for you before okay. we um, sign off of here. You mentioned your purpose. I see your mission and your vision and all that. What is what is your personal purpose in life? My personal purpose, hmm, let's see. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> well, hey, it's your purpose, so it could be seven or eight if you want it to be. <laughs> okay, so my personal purpose, number one, is to show true freedom and to provide healing to others despite what the past may be. Mm. And I always tell people this, I'm a bridge. So I'll sum it all up in that. My purpose is to be a bridge. Wow. Wow. That's real. So if somebody if somebody heard this message and connects with it, um, in one way or the other, whether they were a victim or whether they just heard your story and, and, and want to reach out to you and say thank you, where where can they find you at? Uh, you can look me up on Facebook. I'm the Arthenius J. And the name of the organization is also on Facebook, which is under One Touch Transformation. The website is onett.me. 
And then my personal website is artheniusj.com. And spell Artheniusj for me. A-R-T-H-E-N-I-U-S. There you go. There you go. That's good. I love it. Thank you so much, Artheniusj, for joining us. Um, it's going to be a, a... Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I hope if you enjoyed the episode, too, you'll share it with a friend or share it with somebody that needs to hear it. Um, and we will be back. This is the setup for success. You never know what somebody went through, and most people don't look like what they've been through. Just look at Arthenius Jackson. Thank you again for joining us. This is The Dash.